Epic Gumdrop, sweeter than a Kickstarter exclusive. Hello, Jeff. Hey, James. Uh, Last week, we looked back at 2015. This week, we look ahead to some of the most anticipated titles of the year, which is 2016, if you're listening to it. In, in 2018. Yes, if you're listening to it even further in the future, uh, hey, thanks for looking at our back catalog. We really appreciate it. Hello, self in 2045. Yes. <laughs> you're old. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, it's it was hard to do this episode looking yeah. ahead because, I mean, there's always about a billion board games that we mm-hmm. are lusting over and uh we'll just take a look at some of the ones that have caught our eye this is not um, you know ex- expansive to include everything because it you can't you were trying to avoid the if you listen to the last hour. episode yeah. <laughs> you'll know there's too much um so we'll just look focus on base games leave the expansions out of it and while kind of putting together this list we ran into uh bgg does uh 20 most anticipated games of 2016 and yes. uh, so they had a huge list as well that they pulled members on. And I was like, huh, well, we definitely would have voted similar to a lot of the top choices on this one because yeah. it, it's a lot of people are excited about a lot of these games. We can get to the reasons later on, but um, yeah, so there's essentially complete crossover. So if you yeah. don't, if you don't want to listen to us, just go check that list out. <laughs> but I think we do an interesting job. Great. We just lost half the audience oh, right there. I'm sorry, Jeff. I, I'll oh. get this right next time. Come on. Stop turning. For those of you remaining, you know there's no other choice. (laughs) There's just us. Uh, Yeah, so I mean, I guess first off, a lot of the games on the list were big, heavy titles. Yeah. Yeah, that you would expect to be there. Um, And that's maybe our bias a little bit. Um, And heavy means different things to different players, for sure. It totally does. So we tried to mix it up a little bit, but there is some definitive 2016 themes that will come out at the end, I think. But again, this is just a cross-section of really interesting-looking stuff coming out and not everything that is Mm -hmm. good. There will be lots of other amazing games, hopefully some that will just surprise hit it and uh, blow us away at the end of the year. First up, what's the first one we're looking at here? Well, first we're looking at Trove, the Crystal Caverns. First, I just want to say, terrible title. I don't know why. Hmm. Trove, I don't like. There's a video game called Trove. Right? Yeah, so I think they, they thought Trove was a cool word, but then they were they had to subtitle that because they were like, well, okay, A, maybe we'll expand on this, which I highly suspect they yes. will. Um, and yeah, B, differentiation. But you don't like the word Trove at all? I don't mind it. It just doesn't... It's uh, a treasure trove. No, I, I get it. I get the... You know the, what it is, but yes. you don't. It, I mean... It, you know, Trove, Darby, Treasure here. So it's a cool <laughs> end of calling your, your game Pants. I don't know. It just, it doesn't quite... Doesn't excite you? Yeah. All right. Like, are you troving? Are they trying to verb the noun here, or... Mm. No, they're just saying it is a, it's a, tr- here's a Trove. I don't know what they're trying to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me read the description. Okay, good, good idea. it's more exciting to you. This might give us a good idea of what they're trying to do. <laughs> Trove takes you and your friends into the torchlit torchlight of a classic cave crawling adventure built on the concept of total asymmetry. Gone are the days of the merry band of travelers fighting off evil. In Trove, you will become part of a new legend. Any part you wish. Play it, well, yeah, within four parameters. Play as a daring knight, the chaotic goblin horde, the greedy dragon, or even the cave itself. I like that. Yeah. Powerful, brooding, and intent on crushing the living things that dare to disturb its gloomy depths. Each role has its own powers, pieces, and paths to victory, and there can be only one winner. Um, 
So the game overview, yeah. they give uh, the idea of basically it kind of shows you how you're going to go for victory. You got the knight that's got to kill the dragon. Um, he gets power by doing these little side quests and getting the treasure. Um, the goblins must kill the knight. Uh, the goblins build three different tribes by playing push your luck style game. They move around the board trying to corner the knight. The dragon must wake up and escape through the entrance. Uh, he starts out slow, um, but wakes up as he steals a treasure, devours the goblins and explores the cave. And uh, he does this by playing cards to fuel various powers. And the cave must fully expand and then collapse. So the cave does this by gaining omens, placing treasure to lure the other players into its depths and placing tiles, which I, that's a cool yeah. concept. It's a cool concept if it's executed well. Yeah. The problem with completely asymmetrical games like this mm. is there's a good chance one of the four roles will be way more fun well, than the rest. I, I, with there only being four roles, hopefully it's balanced. Like, I mean, they must yeah. have hopefully. the... But because it, it is, it's not. Yeah, it's it's. They're so asymmetrical. It's you're you're basically playing different games. Yeah. Within the game, it's interesting roles though. I like the, mm-hmm. the like wildly different. It's not yes. like three knights, or it's not you know. It's not like this knight can also do a little bit of magic, and this knight can uh, is a paladin and can do stuff with nature and healing. Yeah. This but is, really, they still have big swords and swing. It's yeah. like Descent for Kids. Like it's right. got. Uh, I just go and take a look at We'll have the link on the website, uh, breakingdads.com. Breakingdads.com? Breakingdads.com. We'll have links to all of these because there's, uh, they're worth all going mm-hmm. and taking a look at. It gives you a much better idea. Um, it, it looks like fun for kids, adults, and it'd be a fun one to play with kids if you want to do a kind of descent yeah. style thing or just get them more into role playing or whatever. And the idea is that the games will, you know, never be the same twice. So right. by playing these different factions, um, and playing with the tile setup, it'll kind of randomize the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. It could be good. Yeah, and how one player plays one role will change how you play your role. And yeah, yeah, or it could just be terrible. But I, I don't know. Looks, I don't see it as being cute. terrible. No, I think yeah. it'll be all right. But I, I don't have. I don't think this is going to be like a you know, um, a mainstay of game night. But I think this would be like a really. I'd like to play this with kids mm-hmm. more than anything. I, as adults, it might be fun to play a whack a mole style thing. You right, know, like as our love with like Battleship or games like that. Those games are fun, but I don't know if this will be it. Yeah, hard to say. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. They're doing some different stuff, and that's that's nice to see. I had, I think you're the same. Slightly yeah. mixed feelings about it, but it yeah. still looks. In, it tickled my fancy a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, the next one up was, I think, more of a sure fire hit. I suspect. Uh, I would be shocked if this was unsuccessful. Yeah. Yeah. I think given its legacy, a tiny epic Western, um, their pitch on this one is that it's poker meets worker placement, which sounds interesting. Um, I, you know, it, it seems like they took a game like Doomtown Reloaded and melded, you know, like that took poker and introduced that into its gameplay. This kind of tries to do a similar sort of thing, uh, but then adding worker placement on top, I was like, whoa, that's okay. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even picture that. Um, you know, and they kind of use area control or yeah. location control in a similar way. And then it kind of stops being comparable in any way after that. No. You look at it and you're like, oh, okay, no, yeah, no. This Western, is... poker, nah, area control. Yeah, those three things And now it's a completely different game. But it's sort of like uh, comparing, a, you know, a Porsche to a, uh, you know, Datsun. Basically. <laughs> well, it's got a steering wheel and four tires yeah. and doors that open. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, do you want to read the uh, I'll read the, the description. description, yes, because people love my voice. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? No, I'm not. It was the confidence with which you said <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, the West is growing day by day, and you're looking to stake your claim. To win, you'll have to gamble your relationships with the most powerful bosses in town to win influence. This influence comes in many forms, law, money, and force. If you're clever enough, you'll be able to take claim over the buildings in the, in the ever-growing boomtown, lost it already, and gain powerful abilities. At the end of the day, the boss who has the best combination of wit and bluff will become the most powerful tycoon in the wild, wild west. Hmm. That sounds like a good description. It doesn't tell me entirely everything, though. No. Um, gameplay. How does that look like? Well, that, let me just tell you. <laughs> uh, the game is played in a series of rounds. Each round, poker cards are dealt between the locations, which are laid out in a circle. Players pay, place posse members on these location cards, which will uh, both give an action and count as a bid for the location's valuable resources. Players also get a poker card of their own, which uses the two adjacent cards from a location to form a three-card hand. This creates a clever mix of modern worker placement and poker that drives the game. In addition, players must manage the resources of law, money, and force to buy buildings and gunfight. If you have the highest stake in the most lucrative industry at the end, you'll be rewarded bonus points. Add these points to the points you've collected from buying buildings and determine the winner. Well, I think when we watched the yeah. video for this, I you, when I read the description, I was like, well, that's a lot of game going on there. Yeah. And then you see it and you're like, but holy It's crumb. like typical worker placement yeah. where it is a lot of game, but it happens one decision at a time. It does. Yeah. So it sort of builds to the bigger hole. Yeah. Um, but I do like the idea that you're balancing your need for certain poker cards with your need for certain resources and controlling certain areas. Yeah. Um, to to so you I, I like when your worker placement where the worker is doing more than one job exactly yes yeah. and you're managing more than one uh, decision with placing the worker huh yeah no it, it looks light and fun and uh, tiny it is it's tiny it like, fits in a tiny box when you you listen to the description you're thinking oh my goodness do yeah. I have enough dining table for this but it's it's like a, a little mini box and it has bullet shaped dice yes so that <laughs> right I, there that, that had you yeah you're like oh done. Who doesn't like cool dice? Those, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and I can't imagine that's going to be also on the, you know, not expensive side for a game. Like it's going to carry a lot of game in a very small package. And yes. that's always kind of exciting. Um, Does the, this one have a Kickstarter page? <laughs> they all have a Kickstarter. Huh. We'll, we'll get again. We'll get to that. But yeah, just a little bit of a Kickstarter page. Again, nicely done. Worth watching. Gives you a good sense of gameplay and what the uh, the whole thing looks mm -hmm. like. But I suspect this is one you could just get and not worry too much about. Yeah, if you liked Tiny Epic Blank, you'll yeah, like exactly. Tiny Epic I think Blank. This is just the fourth one in the fourth. Tiny... Yeah. So yeah. yeah, which is weird. It's becoming a huge series. They've kind of figured it out, which that's good. Huge because they're tiny. Huge series. <sighs> but um, okay. Just, you looked at me like that wasn't funny, but that's. <laughs> I actually that's missed it. it. Did you really? I did. Oh, I'm sorry, Jeff. I'll, I'll pay closer attention mm -hmm. to your, your puns and clever wordplay. Why, thank you. <laughs> That's all you ask from me. Uh, let's move on. All right, what's next up? <laughs> World's Fair 1893, which is coming out in 2016, not 1893. So they're kind of, I mean, talk about being late with delivering a game. 123 years off the mark. So close. Come on, guys. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the blurb from the publisher Sounds on good. this one. The World's Fair, yeah, I'm going to do it again, though, this time in English. Okay. 
The World's Fair of 1893 in Chicago was a spectacular international exhibition that showcased many great achievements in science, technology, culture, and entertainment. Acting as organizers of the fair, players used their influence and supporters to secure the grand exhibits that will be put on display. Hmm. Um, which, uh, it does describe the game. It does. Yeah. Um, I'm a little upset I didn't mention anything about hot dogs, though. Because <laughs> that's the World's Fair we got hot dogs in. As we, well, the hot dog bun. Because before that, when you bought a hot dog, they gave you a pair of gloves that you put on, and you ate the hot dog, and then you gave the gloves Which back. Which I, I also think is kind of awesome. Yes. Disgusting <laughs> and horrific. And Wouldn't it be great to, like... Here's a sausage. <laughs> to go to New York or, <laughs> or like, a big sauerkraut. city. Yes. And, uh, and they're like, uh, I'll have a hot dog with sauerkraut and mustard. And they're like, yeah, no problem. And then they hand you a glove. Would you like some hot fried onions on top of yes. that? <laughs> mm. Sign this waiver. Uh, anyway, people didn't bring back the gloves, and so we had to find something to serve the ah, Frankfurters on, the... and so went to the bakery and convinced huh. them to make a long bun. Where did that... you hear this urban myth? Uh, probably the bathroom meter. <laughs> <laughs> the the largest repertoire, uh, repository of apothecal information. Capital T truth. Yes. It was in a Donald Trump tweet. Is that is that not... <laughs> They, anyway, <laughs> so they describe this thing as an area majority and set collection game for two to four players that plays in about 40 minutes. Uh, they say, quote unquote, on your turn, you send a supporter to one of the five areas and collect all the cards next to it. Choose carefully to collect the cards you you need and also beat out your opponents for control in the various areas. Uh, this is another one. Looks light, fun. Yeah. The card art is so evocative mm-hmm. of that time period. It's very just, yeah, stylistically. It's, yeah. it's really lovely. At first I look, I was like, the title world's fair 1803 i was like oh i guess i'll take yes. a look at this one but uh, no it looks really mm-hmm. lovely and not uh it's not a fantasy game it's not a you know dungeon fighter it's not it's it's exactly what it says it's gonna be but i think it'll be a good yeah. one the other thing i like in a set collection game is the different sets have different art style on yeah. the cards so it's really easy at a glance to see what you're looking at it's true um because i hate sometimes those set collection games where it's just a slightly different color or mm whatever a little symbol on it and it's uh i find it takes longer to assess the game board that way that's a quick aside here you basically if if, is this easy like sushi go no forget it (laughs) that's me out (laughs) sushi goes hard man (laughs) when you play with a a five-year-old that just makes up their own rules and beats you every time or just wants to get all the mackie this is yes Oh. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, that also looks uh, that tickled my fancy. That looks really good. Yeah. Um, the next one again, totally divergent theme, mm-hmm. which I like. Uh, the networks. Um, the players are TV execs trying to get the most viewers over five seasons. You start out with some terrible cable access shows and try from there to get better programming and cancel the bad stuff. Um, the uh, board game geek overview video uh, they did with uh, designer Gil Hova. I uh, hope I'm getting that name right, is entertaining. And it seems like another fun title. We'll put a link to that because mm-hmm. it's it's worth watching. You know, it's like any humor game, um, whether the laughs that are built in will be funny the second, third, fourth, fifth time you play this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, like there is a lot of fun stuff written right into it. And that's sometimes it's when the fun comes out of it because of a collision of interesting, funny things. Yeah. That's easier than fun that's written on the card. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, um, but it seems like a def, you know really it seems simple, but I suspect is deceptively sophisticated. Like there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I think he described it as around a mid range euro. 
Right. So there's you kind of go, oh, this looks really light, and and I I think it's gonna I be a lot of hard decisions. It's one of those like games. That. Yeah, it it looks simple. Um, so I think people playing it will understand what they're trying to do. Hmm. Uh, you know, as opposed to some of the more um, obscure euros where where your path to victory isn't quite as uh, obvious. Your path to victory is through a rule book. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, this looks like one where where uh, you know. People that have played board games before will go, okay, I know what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, so so easy to understand, but hard to master, I mm. guess, is where I'm going with this. That's what I would hope with it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it looks fun, though. I, I mm-hmm. do want to try this one. Um, it supports one to five players, and he says the solo game is really fun, which yep. that's always a, a plus. And plays in around 60 to 90 minutes, which is pretty reasonable for this kind of... That seems yeah. feels about right. Yeah. Um, and there's another. There's a good written interview with uh, the designer over at the Inquisitive Meeple that we'll, we'll also put a, a link to, which was kind of described the design process and talked about him mm-hmm. getting into this whole thing. So sounds like a fun game, but also you know he just seems like an interesting guy and interesting. It, it's not the first uh, subject area that I would think about making a board game of, and I yeah. like that. I was you know it's kind of like a making about a food chain, making about anything weird, you, you kind of go, oh, yeah. okay, I would not have thought of making a game out of that. And so. I do I do like the idea that it has a, a solo mode so that if you're uh, up late, you know, if you've got insomnia or something and you're watching terrible late night TV and you think, ah, oh, this is terrible, I could do better than that. You now can. you can just pull the game out <laughs> and prove it. Exactly. Take a picture and send it to the network. You go, ha, I am better than you. My terrible cable access shows beat yours. So the next one up is... Uh, is it starts going deep. It starts mm-hmm. getting heavy uh, and dark and and brutal. Uh, Gloomhaven. Um, I yeah, I'd recommend. There's we'll again a few more links. Uh, yeah. I watched uh, Rado's run through of Gloomhaven, and it was pretty hard not to be convinced it's going to be a tremendous game. I mean, it's hard whenever he argues about a game's yes. tremendousness because he's so excited. Um, and you know, at first I thought, oh, like an, a great another adventure fantasy game, but mm-hmm. it really seems like there's a lot more going on than that. Yeah, it's deceptive again. This uh, seems to be like the evolution of, uh, like almost like a Pathfinder adventure card game, but like 4.0. Yeah, <laughs> like it's exactly. like it's gone up a couple generations in terms of what they're trying to accomplish with the game. Um, and it, and looking at the playthroughs, it looks like they are accomplishing what they set out to do. Yeah. So that's nice. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's cooperative, uh, supports one to four players, plays in an hour to two hours. Um, and it seems to be based on, you know, borrowing from the legacy system. Uh, the game changes as you play it with locations opening or closing, depending on your decisions. Uh, and you know, it's, I don't know. I had a hard time trying to summarize yeah. what exactly was going on in the game. Cause it seems like there's a lot going on, but once you watch the overviews, you just can't help but be impressed by they've made something that looks like really complex. Like mm-hmm. I'm one of those people, when I look at a huge outlay of stuff, my brain shuts off. Like all the logic goes out. It's just like, I lose speech functions mm-hmm. with this one. Um, it looked relatively straightforward to play. Like they've, they've really they've taken a really sophisticated gameplay and said, okay, now how do we make this easy for people? <laughs> Instead of saying, here's the tome you must read before yeah. you enter. And uh, yeah, I think I could learn the rules pretty quick, which yeah. puts it high on my list. It's nice because it's it's card-driven, so the rules are in your hand. Yeah. Right? The, the things you can accomplish on your turn are in front of you. It's a matter of choosing how you're going to apply them exactly. to the best effect. 
Yeah, and all the little bits that come mm-hmm. with it. It just looks really well thought out. Yeah, and it seems like they did a good job. Um, like I don't know if there's going to be much narrative to the story. I haven't seen that from the playthroughs. I don't know, yeah. Um, but the world itself seems to be pretty well developed um, and and sort of a living, breathing thing, which yeah. is a nice accomplishment. It's a nice, uh, I, I think hopefully a successful attempt at, you know, again, bridging the world between uh, role play games and board games. Mm-hmm. And it, it's one of the more interesting attempts to get it across that space. Mm-hmm. So the characters, you have your character, it looks like you really level them up and build out this character and the world, you know, you explore this world and you, it's very immersive, but more, yeah, hopefully it's, it's neither of those two things. It's both yes. the, be- the best of both those worlds. Um, and to get even heavier then, yes. <laughs> next up, uh, Chronicles Origins. Uh, do you want to read the uh, description for this one? Uh, all right, here we go. So this is uh, from Board Game Geek. Players build a new version of the world in the Chronicles series, starting with the first game, Chronicles Origins, which I love. They're already saying, hey, <laughs> you're going to buy this game, and then you're going to buy the next one. First, the players take the role of leaders of a small and emerging tribe in the early Stone Age, collaborating to avoid threats, exploit opportunities, and build the tribe to a position of growth and stability. Then, once a variety of tribes have been created, players take leadership of a city-state that evolved from an original tribe and contest the region with their opponents who are the leaders of city-states of their own. Using legacy mechanisms, the world evolves as the city-states use exploration, conquest, culture, and religion to outcompete their opponents and try to establish the most enduring enterprise. Not every tribe created in this game will survive to the next. Um, yeah, so that sounds pretty good. Uh, I mean, each game in the Chronicle series uses Rob Davio's legacy system within the game itself, but will use the new Echo system to allow the world you create in Chronicle's Origins to be continued in the second game of the Chronicle series due out in 2017. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, an interesting idea. Uh, yeah. Um, there was a good... Uh, there's no, I mean, not a lot out about this thing as mm-hmm. the uh, Kickstarter, I believe, is about to open up this month at some point. But there was a good interview um, at BGGCon uh, last month with uh, Rob Davio and Dirk Niemeyer about uh, the process of this game and designing it. And mm-hmm. it, Yeah, it sounds so good. Yeah. Like, I again he knows what he's doing with this style of game Mm -hmm. and uh i from what you know he said it's gonna be around 10 games each of the stone age and the bronze age and the stone age games will be around an hour while bronze age games will be at least under two hours and uh i have no idea about the art uh really there's a few Mm -hmm. prototype photos on on bgg and only a brief overview of game mechanics but i'm totally still sold um I've been wanting to play a Civ game that took on that Stone Age theme and really built on it instead of using it as a convenient, you know, thematic backdrop. Because right. that's the one, I love the Stone Age theme stuff, but it always feels a little tacked on or yeah. a little like, eh, you were looking for a theme and you just used this. Yep. Uh, this is a great use of that and really taking, you know, going literally through the ages, but starting at the Stone Age, mm-hmm. I thought that's that's really gutsy. And if they deliver on their promises, you're going to go from the Stone Age, you're going to go into the Bronze Age, and who knows beyond yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I mean, I'm a sucker for for city-building, world-building games to begin with <laughs> as well. And this sounds like um, it'll give you, the, you that empire-building 
fix you want in I a think board so. game. Yeah. Yeah. With the advantage of if you play with a regular group, uh, there's consequences. Exactly. You know, your action now will affect how your game's going to play three games from now. Yeah. Uh, when you're playing a different game. <laughs> I think that that's exactly that's a pretty ambitious promise. Uh, but if, if you're looking for a couple off, of people to pull it off, yeah. Exactly. Um, I, my first thought was the only you know downside. This is a three to six player game. I thought fantastic, six yes. players. Oh, three players. It can't do a two player, which is yep. like uh, you know what? That's okay in a game like this. I you're going to need all yeah. that player interaction to make the game really shine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always my my. Oh, yeah. but I get it, and I just I need to have more kids that grow up to be board gamers. I think so. You need to go back in time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the Kickstarter is going to open up this month and I think they said it will be released at Gen Con this year. Um, that's very With, exciting. Yeah. We'll talk about our yeah. interesting opinion of Kickstarter uh, well, <laughs> as a platform. As Yeah, it's an emerging theme here. Yeah. Uh, the next one up, uh, The Seventh Continent. Now, this is one you, you sent this to me a while ago. Yeah. You're like, check this out. This I, is interesting. I'm intrigued by the idea of this. Yeah, um, that's exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I'll tell you. So um, it's definitely a different take on the storytelling structure of a game. Uh, here's what BGG has to say about it. Mm-hmm. In the early 20th century, you've decided to sail back to the newly discovered seventh continent to attempt to lift the terrible curse that has struck you since your return from the previous expedition. So good hook. Yeah, you know, it's sort of got a let's go back to the Island of Lost theme going on there Uh, in the seventh continent, a solo or cooperative choose your own adventure exploration board game. You choose a character and begin your adventure on your own or with a team of other explorers inspired by the fighting fantasy book series. You'll discover the extent of wild new lands through a variety of terrain and event cards in a land fraught with danger and wonders. You have to use every ounce of wit and cunning to survive, crafting tools, weapons, and shelter to ensure your survival. Unlike most board games, it'll take you many, many hours of exploring and searching the seventh continent until you eventually discover how to remove the curse, or curses, or die trying. The seventh continent features an easy saving system so you can stop playing any time and resume your adventure later on, just like in a video game, or a book. (laughs) So yeah, on, on first reading this, I, I was a little skeptical. Like mm-hmm. we like storytelling. We like choosing your own adventure as a concept. It yeah. seemed interesting, but also I was like, mm, could be a little limiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, here, I don't think it is. Um, there's no dice. Um, yep. And it's, you know, sounds like uh, it's about 20 to 30 hours of gameplay in the base game, uh, which is where the ability to save your game, you know, game state comes in. And they say uh, about 30 seconds setup and equally fast takedown. Um, and I guess card based, you know, that makes yep. sense. And it looks like a game that's going to be a rich experience and that will be pretty fun to play with kids. Yes. Um, my first thought that was exactly was like the kids will like this, like the theme, the yep. whole thing. It sounds, it sounds fun. Um, and if they don't, it also plays solo cause it's right. a, you know, one to four adventurers can mm-hmm. enjoy this. Um, they did a nice job. Yeah. I think it'll be a good light adventure game. Yeah. Um, the thing for me, yeah, all the choices will be binary. It looks like you're mm. either going to do this or that. You're going to go north or east. Or, so it's classic yeah. choose your own adventure. Yeah, which which works, I think, for the theme and for just moving through the game mm. in general. So The complexity um, of it is not outrageous, but it's... Yeah, and again, it'll be another nice one because uh, most of what you need will be on the cards. The game will tell you what to do when you need to do it, right? Which is uh, which is always nice when playing with kids as well. And the ability to like put you know pull this out and uh, 
get going <laughs> so fast and then play for an hour with kids yep. and then pack it up super fast. Yeah. That that's part of what I was like. Oh, that's because that's one of the heinous problems I find playing mm -hmm. uh, with kids is that they they their brains have shut off by this. You know, by the time I've set up five hundred four, yep, <laughs> my child has watched a TV program. You basically have about seven minutes to set anything. Yeah, you yeah. do. And so this is, um, I think this will fit that spot in twenty to thirty hours of gameplay. That's that's pretty nice. Like that's a lot of weekend fun. As long as it's fun and not repetitive. Well, that's, and yeah, that's, that's the kicker. That's what I'm worried if about. If the narrative mm -hmm. really is satisfying. Mm -hmm. But I think, it, it, you know, at the very minimum, they'll hit the kid level where kids will go, oh, this is fun. I right. like this adventure. As an adult, we might be a little bit bored. Mm -hmm. But I. But maybe not. It might be a not. ripping, engaging story. I and think so. Yeah. It might tickle that Indiana Jones kind of, or, you know. Or even just the stories. nostalgia for the uh, Choose yeah. Your Own Adventure. It's true. Yes. Which they better not put on the box, because I hear that company is quite litigious. <laughs> that publishes the Choose no, Your Own Adventure. No, they've got they've got their own style, it seems like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks good. Um, this Again, this is one of those ones. I, I had to really get into the idea and watch the Kickstarter thing. And the I couldn't read the book by its cover. Yeah. Uh, unlike the next one, where... <laughs> I. It's all about the cover, isn't it? You, okay. Well, you as soon as we say it, go take a look at the box art if you don't already know it, which you probably do. Because uh, my eight-year-old saw it and he went, "Whoa!" Because it takes a second, and then you get it, and you're like, "Oh, that is crazy." Uh, Scythe, which uh, whenever he pronounces it, he puts a in, real strong emphasis on the "sai" part, but I don't see that because it's spelled Scythe like the tool. So I think that's how most people will read it. Scythe. 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 So uh, this was love at first scythe. Oh, See, it cut me Puns. down. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh. uh, it's, it's a nice pastoral <laughs> painting. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, people harvesting, and there's giant mechs in the background, and you're like, what? Yeah, in, in oldie timey paint style. It's it is an image where you're like, that is a board game box because a video game would not lower the focus on on the giant max a movie could yeah. not lower the focus on the giant max exactly it could only exist as a board game box if that was a movie poster though i would watch that movie i would be like i i just don't know what's gonna happen that looks awesome i don't know there's something about it kind of takes that light it'd be great to see like an experimental film where they do have a giant uh, mech battle but it is literally happening in the background while people pick flowers or harvest yeah. wheat <laughs> We spent $200 million making this yeah. pastoral film yeah. about There's love. A lot of, yes. <laughs> Just focus on the love between like uh, a farmer and like the uh, widow across the way. And... <laughs> And it's just a horrific battle going on yeah. for the world. But it would be a battle that's been raging for centuries. And so people are just so jaded about mundane. the battle. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh. But, the, but of course, the war would be what killed the, the widow's uh, former husband. Of course. Yeah. And they'd have to declare their love to each other in very loud terms over the grinding gears and artillery fire. Like, I love you so much. I think there'd be no spoken words in the movie oh, at all. Just be, it would all because because people will have be a done, silent film. This be like the artist, not a silent film. You'll hear the battle going in the background. <laughs> it'd be so definitely loud. <laughs> yeah, like in THX sound, like just yeah. And they just they just um, because it's so noisy. People have just gotten to a point where they communicate through looks and <laughs> longful. Just, just like, and just like good yeah. 10 minute shots of like the farmer staring off uh, into the distance across the way to where the, uh, huh. the widow lives. And uh, I mean, by the way, if you want to make this film, go ahead. I'm not, <laughs> that is now public domain. I give it. So I think we've, uh, 
yeah, we've led you astray. So <laughs> <laughs> that is not what this game is at no. all. No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I really, I really would like to see that as a movie. <laughs> I genuinely would. Uh, that might be our best aside in the country. Did we forget we had microphones? <laughs> I were, you were painting a portrait with a, a the tiniest brush. You were a Dutch master there for a little while. See, here's the thing. I love it. This is what we're like when we're not on the air for sure. It's really hard for us. It's true. To focus. Knuckle down. Let's <laughs> yes. get it done. <laughs> no. That was like, yeah, uh, there'd be a 45 minute aside about still, that movie. It's still going in my head, by the way. Like, this we, movie is playing in my head. Choosing a director. Yeah. Who's gonna, who are we going to have? The, I mean, who's got the face to handle that? Uh, like? I think Javier Bartim would be my farmer. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, he was an old country for old man. New country for old, oh, no country for old man. No, yeah. uh, what's his? Uh, something. Yeah. Javier. Something. Bartim. Yes. It? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Isn't that what I said? I don't know. <laughs> It didn't. I might again. Am I okay, let's shot? stop casting. I got, this a, movie. I got a head cold. <laughs> let's let's move back. All right, Michael Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at uh, the game description. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> we're talking about Scythe now, <laughs> not the movie, not the, movie. <laughs> the board game. Uh, it is a time of unrest in 1920s Europa. Again, I'm still thinking about the movie. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah. well, maybe Lars von Trier wants to take a crack at this because it sounds like something he could really do. A verite, you know. Uh, the ashes from the first great war. We're talking about the game now. <laughs> the ashes from the first great war are still dark in the snow. The capitalistic city-state, known simply as the factory, which fueled the war with heavily armored mechs, has closed its doors, drawing the attention of several nearby countries. Scythe is a 4X board game, explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. Set in, al in an alternate history 1920s period, it is a time of farming and war, broken hearts and rusted gears, innovation and valor. In Scythe, each player represents a character from one of five factions of Eastern Europa who are attempting to earn their fortune and claim their faction's stake in the land around the mysterious factory. Players conquer territory, enlist new recruits, reap resources, gain villagers, build structures, and activate monstrous mechs. Each player begins a game with different resources, power, coins, combat acumen, and popularity, a different starting location, and a hidden goal. Starting positions are specially calibrated to contribute to each faction's uniqueness and the asymmetrical nature of, asymmetrical nature of the game. Each faction always starts in the same place. Scythe gives players almost complete control over their fate. Other than each player's individual hidden objective card, the only elements of luck or variability are encounter cards that players will draw as they interact with the citizens of newly explored lands. Each encounter card provides the player with several options, allowing them to mitigate the luck of the draw through their selection. Combat is also driven by choices, not luck or randomness. Scythe uses a streamlined action selection mechanism, no rounds or phases, to keep gameplay moving at a brisk pace and reduce downtime between turns. While there is plenty of direct conflict for players who seek it, there is no player elimination. Every part of Scythe has an aspect of engine building to it. Players can upgrade actions to become more efficient, build structures that improve their position on the map, enlist new recruits to enhance character abilities, activate mechs to deter opponents from invading, and expand their borders to reap greater types of qu of, and quantities of resources. These engine building aspects create a sense of momentum and progress throughout the game. The order in which players improve their engine adds to the unique feel of each game, even when playing one faction multiple times. That does yeah. sound like our movie, actually. That it does, um, but with more of a focus on moving the max round. I'd yes. still say, yeah. It uh, e 
for every question I had about this game, mm-hmm. he that's why we read the whole description. Yeah. Because I think he swats down everything that you could think of. He'd mm-hmm. be like, no, 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 no. No player elimination. Yep. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, we're going to keep the variability down. Yeah. No, no, no dice rolling. Uh, there's no downtime. Yeah. Or limited downtime. Or limited downtime, yeah. You know, which in a 4X game would, you know, that's what I you often think about is downtime. Yeah. Although I find the downtime for me is just... I spend staring at the board going, what am I going to yeah, do it's true. now? Or did that decision I made five turns ago, oh, was no. that the right one? Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like that in uh, under Board Game Geek, it's listed in under the categories economic, farming, territory building, and war game. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, Sounds right. <laughs> two to five players. Uh, and he says it's about 115 minutes. And I thought, that's a really curiously uh, specific gameplay time. But he... Uh, he gives this time because he says it played, uh, they game tested it over about 700 sessions and he averaged that. Mm. Um, that's impressive. And uh, my yeah. big hope is that this is a satisfying, you know, it's it's the satisfying 4X board game that I kind of want in my life as we love them here. Yeah. Um, but generally not in board game format. So I don't know. I know, I know your son uh, plays the 4X video games rather aggressively from time yeah, to time. He does. I have a feeling his strategy in this would not be dissimilar. Yeah, no, I think. Because if the choice is between farming or building and activating a giant mech. It's hard to say sometimes <laughs> with him. You never know. Yeah. He chooses a strategy and goes all in. All in, yes. <laughs> um, it looks, it sounds, it's another one of those ones that's like, okay, if you deliver on what you've outlined here, it can't miss. No, yeah. uh, I, there's a great uh, turn-by-turn overview that uh, designer Jamie Stagmeyer goes through. Um, we'll link to that. I, I, it's worth checking out because, you mm-hmm. know, he really, it's, it looks fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it. But it, again, you just go, I don't know, like, it, can it deliver? Yeah. Can it be as delicious as that cover art? Mm. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. Is. Yeah. So I don't know that uh, I'm I, very very excited. I I not as excited about the the cost that no the uh, any of the versions I've seen so far have uh, after the Kickstarter ended. Uh, we live in Canada, which means we pay four and a half billion dollars more for everything. Yep. Um, so yeah, but I, nonetheless, I'm sure it would be a very satisfying addition to a collection. Yes. Uh, and if not, I'm sure you could sell to somebody because I think everybody is going to want a copy of this thing. Mm-hmm. Who, why, it's one of these concepts you look at and go, why hasn't somebody done giant mechs and farming before? Yeah. As a thing. I, you know, I guess in some 4X games, you get elements of these things in a mm-hmm. way. Um, but yeah. this starts at the point with the mechs. This yeah. is not the, like. You built to it. Exactly. At some point in the future, you might get them. This yeah. is, hey, everybody, there was a war of giant robots, and uh, now we got mechs all yeah. over the place. It's like he got he was playing Civ, and one faction got to the nuclear age, and the other one was still agrarian. Yes. And he was like, oh, this is a great starting point for a game. Yeah, uh, yeah I like that, because that, that is the point where my son mm-hmm. always gets excited. Yes. This is like, oh, look, it, there's, there's atomic bombs dropping. Also, farming. Like, it's so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Good times. And, uh, you know, if that didn't tickle your fancy... For a 4X title, yeah. there's the other big one that uh, I think even more anticipated, perhaps, as it's been mm-hmm. in the works for a very long time. And uh, also another Rob Davio title. What? Yeah. Which, again, 4X, Rob Davio, tell us more. Yeah, sign us up, yes. Uh, you know, some of your brains are probably switching off right now. 
uh, from the awesomeness of those two ideas. And uh, hopefully not from the idea of another 4X game on the table. But uh, if, if you like all that, Seafall will hopefully be uh, coming to us this year finally. Who's going to star in this movie? Hmm. No, let's move on. <laughs> Seafall is a 4X game set in an age of sail, world reminiscent of our world. In Seafall, the world is starting to claw its way out of a dark age and has begun to dis- rediscover seafaring technology. Players take on the role of a mainland empire that consults with a consortium of advisors to discover new lands, explore those islands, develop trade, send out raiding parties, take part in ship-to-ship combat and more. As in Risk Legacy and Pandemic Legacy, co-designed by Rob Davio, Seafall evolves as the game is is played, setting their grudges into the history of the game and building a different narrative at every table as players open up the world. Now, um... Hopefully they haven't uh, kneecapped uh, Rob Davio by every game. Now he has to live up to Risk Legacy and Pandemic Legacy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no yeah. no pressure, Rob. I feel like he's gonna walk down the street oh. and board game guys be like, "Hey, you're the Legacy guy." Legacy. That would yeah. just be his nickname. Legacy. Yeah. Which you know, as, a bad one. As a legacy, as he's going to the bank <laughs> yeah. to uh, deposit. Yeah, it's his tens of dollars. It's the board game industry still. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, Pandemic Legacy. No. Yeah. That, yeah, it's doing well. Yeah, it's doing, it's doing well. very well. As, as we talked about last episode, it's it's made a dent. Yes, it'll be in a few stores. You might be able to find it on your, store your shelves. Grandmother will probably know yes. about it at the retirement home. Um, uh, but Seafall, Seafall, yeah, Seafall. I I like that description. I like the idea that mm. you know there's a dark age. You know, you're rediscovering seafaring technology. That's a dark, dark age. If you lost seafaring, yeah. Uh, well, that happened once in human history, didn't it? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Human, human history is full of darkness. It's, <laughs> it's all darkness, Jeff. All I see now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I liked everything about that. I, I like I, I the like idea that of this, seafaring. This simulates the video game version of exploration. Like when you play Civ, you go out into that fog in a boat. You don't know when, when you're going to find another landmass yeah. um, until you do. And I think this will simulate that. You've got a board so. and there's nothing. And then you'll find something and then it will always be there. This reminded me a little bit of uh, there's a video game called Windward that mm. uh, you sail around and uh, it's the most relaxing game ever. Like you just you listen to this delightful Come sail away. Come sail away. Uh, not quite so relaxing. Okay. It's uh, yeah, but you you sail around a little ship and you go and set up trade. You get sent on little missions and explore. And there is something so satisfying about that. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see that on a board. Mm-hmm. That would be good. Um, but once again, you know, three to five players. Yep. It's a 4X. Um, and uh, exciting part is as of uh, January 20th, Davio has delivered it to the publisher. Uh, he had just announced that. Yeah. So no idea when it's available, but it's done. Um, I'm, I'm going to guess this is a, what, probably a big Gen Con release or something again by the time they get that out. Yeah. Time Who will knows? tell. Yeah. Although with the, the hype around Davio, it might be a, yeah. as soon as possible It'll type be release. All hands on deck. Yeah. Get it done. Um, now, the final game we're going to look at today is uh, from uh, the designer and company n- now known for top-notch miniature games. So yet another uh, designer who's getting well-known for doing something very specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Others, Seven Sins. Um, I me- Yeah, I remember when I showed you the Kickstarter yeah. for this, you were like, yeah. I-, I was like, is it just me or is this like so slick? It looks good good it does yes you were like yeah that's like hellboy and 
Yeah, it's, it's got a very Hellboy feel to it with the sort of paranormal, weird paranormal investigative team. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty drawn in when we watched it. Um, Have we said the name yet? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. I wasn't really listening to you. <laughs> no, that's that's uh, appropriate. That's back to casting our, our well, Sith of course. movie. <laughs> we are like, how do I combine Scythe and Seafall yes. together? Um, Scythefall. Scythefall. <laughs> the other seven sins. No, that's where we're at. Uh, yeah, I think within two seconds of the Kickstarter video, though, you're like, hmm, I don't think this is going to work for my uh, eight-year-old gaming partner. No, there's uh, you know, the the weird bondage monsters and other stuff. I'm like, no. By the way, I think Cool Mini or not, they can just change their company name to Cool Mini. Like, they've they've figured out minis. They're not, it's not going to be not ever. They're never going to choose not. Just Eric Lang and company. Yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, and the theme on this one, too, I was like, I'm not a big, you know. The whole religious theme doesn't really do much for me, but I don't even really care because it looks so good. It does look so good. It just looks, it looks fun. And that's what I would want out of a game like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a horror game. Yeah. But it looks so, f- it lo- it does look genuinely yeah. creepy. And you know, it's going, the mechanics are going to work because Eric, Eric Lang did it. And yeah. Whether you can, you can argue whether or not the games are fun, but they're never broken. No. They work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you immediately look past all that, and you're yeah. just like, okay, now tell me more. Yes. And yeah, I don't know. It, it, and we'll get, let's give the description. It's a, uh, a horror board game for two to five players. Uh, one player controls one of the seven deadly sins employing monstrous incarnations of these corruptive forces in an attempt to consume the world and bring about the apocalypse. The rest of the players cooperate as heroes of the faith organization. It's F dot a dot i dot uh who will attempt to fight back the invasion um yeah yeah it's i don't think they're breaking any new ground with the premise no i don't think so uh, but the execution seems to be the minis look amazing they do yes they look so good they look so creepy and weird and it's like cthulhu meets hellraiser meets hellboy meets i don't even it's just all those things yeah it takes a lot of cool stuff and mashes it together um I was even I was maybe even more excited. Uh, this is now going on. We've covered kind of the big ones for 2016, yes. uh, but you know, in Eric Lang related news, uh, he announced that the a co-design between him and Antoine uh, Boza called Victorian Masterminds, which is a post Sherlock Holmes game where you play an evil mastermind. Uh, he was showing off a yeah. prototype recently, and I doubt that's going to be out for 2016. But oh my goodness, that looks awesome! That can't not be fun. That as can't well. not be fun. Um, a double negative of it. It was so good. It, and if, if that wasn't enough on uh, just in January there, he tweeted an update to a few projects. Uh, he has Project Sunrise and Project Suitcase, which if you follow him, he's always you know going on about. And uh, he's developing them um, in tandem, but each is very different. Uh, I doubt those will also make it for 2016, but man, I'm excited. And, you know, it's totally fine because I still need to get Blood Rage. Yep. Uh, so really there's no end of awesomeness the future looks bright for everything except for your wallet yeah exactly so come on canadian dollar rally we're gonna need you to rally here oh nothing like turning a hundred dollar board game come on into 150 help help your compatriots yes (laughs) canada has given the board game world so much yeah the least it could do is give us free games so I guess to, uh, you know, overview, uh, 2016, what is it looking like it's going to be about? Um, well, one of the themes, I guess, is how many of those games, Jeff, would you guess were Kickstarters? 
I'm going to say almost all of them. All of them except Seafall. That sounds right. Um, some of these are established publishers. Some of these are newer. You know, it's a mix of things, but everybody's yep. went, yeah, Kickstarter is a good way to finance my game. Yeah, pretty well all of them had enough money to finance it. Mm-hmm. But why? But why? Exactly. Why That's would a lot you do of that? Yep. And the bigger the game, the more sense it makes. Mm-hmm. Um especially with the minis and stuff i can imagine it's you know molds aren't cheap or however they're nope. doing things these days cannot be it's an expensive process yep. so yeah we need to make you know one and a half million dollars before we go into this <laughs> it's bananas how it's, much money is on it the is, table they're i mean to be fair that none of them put massive goals you know they they mm. probably put the tooling costs on as you know hey we cover that we'll be fine we'll sell the retails be great but because kickstarter has become more popular as a board game platform these $35,000 asks are getting up to a million and a half all of a sudden. Yeah. And then you got to ask, is that going to affect the retailers? If these anticipated games don't get stocked big on store shelves because people already bought them, the, the, the early adopters and then beyond (laughs) have already grabbed them. So I don't know. It's, it's intriguing. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think once they fulfill a lot of the early Kickstarters, they'll at least see a regular channel distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully, I mean, the price point might be reasonable by the time it, it hits shelves right. you know, from the mainstream publisher uh, post Kickstarter uh, without all the extra goodness. Yeah. Uh, which I'm fine with. Yep. Um, In a perfect world. Yeah. Um, we, you know, one of the beautiful parts I think about all the Kickstarter games is that they're giving so much marketing material that really helps you understand what the game is about, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's hard to fully appreciate what you're getting into without relying entirely on, you know, written reviews or, you know, snippets here and there, or forum gossip. Um, also, a lot of these games provide print and play versions, so you can even just take the mechanics for a spin. Mm-hmm. Um Gloomhaven even went a step further and introduced, uh, they give the introductory scenario a table, uh, available for Tabletop Zen and Tabletop Simulator. So yeah. if you actually want to use a digital version of the introductory thing for a board game, go for it. Yeah, now you're not spending the time uh, and phenomenal. effort to print and cut it and it's mount it. And, so good. Yeah. Like that's it. It's really setting the bar really high for all of those other uh, regular publishers though, mm-hmm. to compete with that. So these guys put all their marketing costs up front and went, hey, take a look at this and they took a risk on it and you know so it's interesting because yep. they're taking this risk but it's in a different way yeah um but and they're getting it, the reward earlier too yeah it pays out um so um how many you know yeah it's, yeah so that's one of the big themes is kickstarter for 2016 uh the other big trend you're seeing is a focus on a story a narrative yeah as a bigger part of the game that it's not just about here's a cool mechanic you're going to manipulate it's about what kind of stories can we tell or how are we going to tell the story exactly and then the mechanics sort of feed off of the storytelling part of the game yeah totally um, which is a which is a nice thing i think so um so yeah i mean a couple of rob davio titles there rob davio's influence is all over yeah 2016 so if he's not involved personally he's involved because people are going ah this is the thing mm-hmm and it, not just because it's a you know a gimmick, but because it's genuinely f- adds uh, this depth to play that people are now becoming mm-hmm. demanding. So it's going to get harder and harder. Also, you're going to have light games, but then there's going to be yeah. so much demand for it, and that's awesome. Yeah, and part of it is, uh, I mean, this definitely this drive towards making it a game people play often for a long period of time. Yeah, um, and maybe nece- maybe never again after that. Right. But if you're asking people to to put in more than you know a ninety minute play session one time. 
a few, you know, every few months, yeah. then you better bring a story. Uh, one uh, comment I heard uh, on another podcast was just the idea that, you know, playing a legacy game uh, really helps cement your gaming group and brings mm-hmm. it together because you, you're all committed. Yep. You're all like, okay, let's do this. And you, you have to meet regularly and you have to get it. You're, you're driven to get through it, which progresses the group a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it's hard to get groups together. Yes, it is. Um, so I guess in closing, there's a few, you know, a few other games that are coming out this year or, or being re-released that we're excited about. Um, Stronghold second edition. Uh, yeah. I missed it the first time around. I'm excited about that. Yep. I'm really looking forward to that. Looks like a fun, another fun kid game. Yes. Uh, well, fun in general. But I, my first thought is that'll be fun to play with the kid. Yes. Yeah, uh, you always think the kid first because then you know you're going to play it. And exactly. You're going to play it often. Yeah, I won't just stare at it longingly yes. on the shelf. Uh, Martin Wallace's Brass is getting published again. So yep. uh, there's a lot of excitement about F- that. Fresh off the app. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And um, another one I thought looked good was uh, Mare Nostrum Empires, which is a, a reinvention of the original game by, and this one's coming out by Academy Games. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I like what they do, and that should also be very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any other ones you were? Yeah, sadly for me, that 2016 is going to be all about um, Firefly, Legendary Encounters Firefly. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of just Legendary. It's a game my, my kids play. Legendary Encounters, I think tweaks the system makes it even better hmm. and uh with the firefly license it'll be fun yeah and my wife will probably play yes, it that is my wife is not a gamer <laughs> um so i'm hoping uh, the combination of of fun easy gameplay with a license she enjoys and yeah. is familiar with will mean it's something that we can do together more often that is nice yeah so you're not gonna be able to coax her into scythe with it's not even close <laughs> no no me either <laughs> um but yeah overall People in the board game industry keep talking about what an amazing year 2016 is going to be. And mm-hmm. with all the titles we talked about, I cannot disagree. And that's just scratching the surface, it too. Is. Um, if you have any thoughts about any of the games we talked about or you want to mention some, you know, some other ones that we should be watching for mm-hmm. this year, because, again, we're always wanting keeping the lookout. There's always stuff that you're yep. like, how did I miss that? Where did that come from? Um, visit uh, the site. Let us know. BreakingDads.com and uh leave a comment there or uh, hit me up on twitter i'm at epic gumdrop yep especially with any casting notes uh who Absolutely. should direct yeah i think so you know and if you provide financing for a new production post-apocalyptic pastoral credit. film yeah yeah we'll uh get in touch <laughs> if you just got you know uh, abilities as a sound person wanna, yes want to hold a boom you best boy is something you always were interested in Basically, we're in pre-production now as of, <laughs> as of this podcast. So We're looking for green lighting this thing, by the Yeah, end. yeah. Financing is definitely needed. Uh, I think budget, I think we could do it for about 45 mil um, if we don't pay the actors. If you're willing to act for free. <laughs> if you've got CGI skills. Yeah, just let us know. I think that this is... Yeah. Uh, if you painted the art for the original and you want to work on a much larger scale. Yeah. We're looking for a three-hour runtime on this film. No, Again, no spoken words. <laughs> That's that's on the modest side. Yeah. yeah. Well, the director's cut will, of course, be seven and a half hours. I, now we're talking. Yes. I like this. Very long 10-minute shots. Yes. Nothing. There'll be a whole scene where the farmer just naps <laughs> with all the distraction around him. It'll be great. Uh, now you've got something to dream about. Until next time, I've been James. And I'm still Jeff. <laughs>